Hello, Trey Reckliff here. How are you? Welcome to Season 16, Episode 2 of a show that we're calling Walking with Craig Maud in various countries around the world, mostly in the Iberian Peninsula area. It's a bit wordy, but it has a catchy acronym. How are you, Craig? Pretty good. A uh, little bit uh, still groggy. Yeah. Still waking up. Uh, we had to fight off about 400 French people for breakfast this morning, so that was a little bit intense. Didn't get as much coffee as I normally would get, but yep. feeling pretty good. <clears throat> Last day on the Camino. Got about 20 clicks left. That's what you're supposed to call them on the Camino clicks, not kilometers. All right, okay. Got 20 clicks left, and uh, yeah, I think everyone's in good spirits. Yeah. I think we've easily already walked over 100 kilometers, don't you? Oh, well, yeah, yeah, way yeah. over, way over. And I thought this kind of foggy, moody, moody morning would be apropos to talk about your walks that you do in Japan, which yeah. I'm, I'm super interested in. Yeah. I'm now a hiking nut. I've done some in New Zealand and here. And I quite like the walk and talk kind of format. So how did you, before we get in, delve into all your expertise about that, how did you start doing it? What was the impetus to do your first serious hike in Japan? I was invited on it. So I just had a friend who is probably one of the most prolific walkers I know. He's 50, he's in his 50s now. I won't reveal his actual age. He's in his 50s and he's been walking serious walks since he was in his teens, often alone. And uh, he invited me about five years ago on, on a walk in Japan. And um, I've been living in Japan for most of my adult life since I was 19. And um, yeah, I just I said, that sounds interesting. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what we were getting into. Uh, I didn't understand what the rhythm or structure of the days would look like. I'd done other hikes. I'd walked up to uh, Annapurna Base Camp. Mm. I did that about 10 years ago, 11 years ago. That was my first real serious adventure, adventure hike. Although I did, the year before I did Annapurna, I, I had hiked up to a glacier in Tibet uh, and up to Lake Namso. Um, and the glacier, I think, was about 17,000 feet. So that was pretty intense. Um, so I'd done those, but those were, they were kind of guided. Um, they were not too autonomous. You, you sort of had your path that you were on. You couldn't really deviate from it. Um, and you were always, you, you, you always felt beholden to the person that was taking you around. Um, right. Whereas uh -huh. this first walk five years ago felt uh, I was going on a walk with a friend, not, yeah. a, not a guide, which was pretty cool. And I guess that that freedom and that organic nature of the walk allows you to take a little side trail, go visit a little tiny little restaurant or yeah. onsen, and yeah, not not yeah. not so intense. And actually, I, I mean, when you walk with a good friend who's knowledgeable, it's way better than walking with uh, a guide most of the time um, because. You can modulate the amount of information you take or don't take. Uh, where with a guide, it tends to, if, it's, if, they're, if they're sort of explaining everything, it tends to be just a fire hose of information. Yeah, they kind of tend to vomit out a bit of too much information. Yeah. It's stuff that they, they think is supposed to be interesting, but you don't really find that interesting. Yeah, so, yeah, with a friend, you can kind of go, what's this thing, what's that thing? And, you know, yeah. that's quite nice. But yeah, that, that first walk was the Kamano Kodo, and it was about six days long. And, and you made a, a book, like a best-selling book about it, and you've inspired many people to do this, right? Yeah, not about that walk on that a later period walk. of time. 
on the same place. But uh, I went on the walk and I came back from it and I was like, wow, that was, that was really interesting. There's a layering of things. There's a, layering of, there's a spiritual layer, there's a historical layer, there's a religious layer, kind of connected with the spiritual, but also not directly connected with the spiritual. Um, and there's obviously a physical layer, exercise layer. There's a culinary layer and there's a linguistic layer. <clears throat> and I just, I just remember coming back from that and feeling the richness of, of all of these layers and having been able to experience them. And I thought immediately, okay, what's the next walk? Very uh, sort of visceral sense of, oh, we have to right. get out there again. What's next? Yeah, that's what I'm feeling now. Yeah. Yeah. You're ready for another one. I'm ready. My, my legs are primed, good to go. Yeah, I feel, I, feel, yeah. I feel genuinely sad that today's the last day. I woke up this morning, yeah. packed up my bag, and I was like, this is the last pack I'm going to do yeah. for the walk. This is the spree. Look over there at that oh, yeah. granary. Beautiful. By the way, if this is your first time watching a 360 video, you can grab the screen, turn it around, and see all the stuff that we're going to say. Oh, we should talk about photography, too. Okay, we'll put all the description in the, in the bottom. Uh, you're at craigmod.com. Craigmod.com. Subscribe. Beautiful newsletter. Genius writing. He just rattles off prolific prose <laughs> with no problem. Lots of problems. Little but... alliteration there for you. <laughs> um, okay, I want to talk about your Leica before we before we end. But keep telling me more about um, Japan and why it continues to to be a thing. Because you think, oh, I've done a hike a few times. I kind of get it. I had enough done that, tick that box, but you keep on going. Yeah, well, I mean, in the first walk that I did, I've gone back and done parts of it and the same walk maybe about eight times mm -hmm. uh, in the last five years. And I've done other bits of it ten times. Um, and the thing, much like reading, you know, you never really get to know a book until you've read it two, three, four, five, six times. Mm. That's when you really can say, okay, I'm kind of getting a sense of what this book contains the edges of it, the connections, the connective tissue, you know, assuming the author put in the work that uh, is required usually to, to produce a fully cohesive book. Um, same, with, same with walks. You know, I think a lot of people have checklists. That to me doesn't make much sense. Right. Just checking something off and then being done with it. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, a lot of things have like 50 check boxes. Like if you do this 50 times, then it'll be done. Right. Um, but until then, you don't really know it. So I've been going back and doing many of the same walks, and also new walks, over and over again. And like I said, there, there are so many layers to explore. And one of my favorites is definitely the linguistic layer. Right. So I, I, uh, I, I went to Japan to study Japanese. I went to grad school for, for Japanese language. And um, one of the, I'd, I'd lived in Tokyo pretty much the entirety of my, my Japan time. And so there's a certain accent in Tokyo and a certain kind of uh, uh, lexicon that's, that's used only in Tokyo. And as soon as you get out into the mountains, uh, that all changes. And that's, that's I, I, didn't, I never expected that to be one of the great joys of doing the walks. But as you walk, you're walking through these little villages uh, and these, these farming villages. And you're walking past fields and you're walking past farmers planting rice and, and uh, tilling and, and preparing and pulling out depending on what time of the year it is. And you get to enjoy their language. You can mm. stop, you can talk with them. And there is this very similar, I find, to like the American South. I get a, I get a huge kick out of uh, the American South. I love it, the language of the American South. I think the English down there is beautiful, it's fascinating. And uh, I noticed a, a very similar feeling 
the deeper uh, I go into into the Japanese countryside, um, it's just a lot of fun. That's great. I think, well, obviously you're a true master of any language where you can understand different dialects inside of it. I even have trouble understanding the different dialects from different British accents. Right. Oh, yeah. I get a oh. little confused. I don't, I have no, all I know is yeah. rich British person and then everyone else. <laughs> Super rich person and then the rest of them. Yeah, I know all the American ones inside out because I grew up there, but it's yeah. cool that you've mastered Japanese so well that you can... I definitely wouldn't say I've mastered Japanese so well. Just that I'm, I have enough understanding that I can enjoy uh, the nuance of different places and the language of different places. So you, you take super beautiful radical photos and the other night at dinner we have, we have these little discussions every night at dinner. Yeah. Maybe I'll, I'll link to some of these down below. And I'm telling stories and you told a story that really resonated with me because the first time um, I spent a significant amount of money on a camera, I got a D2X. Yeah. It was several thousand dollars. I was pretty scared. When was, like, when was that? When was the D2X? Oh, oh my goodness. Eight years ago. Coming Something up. like that. We're coming up on the highway now. Yeah. Are we going to keep this going on the highway? We'll keep it going on the highway. Okay. Let's keep it going. These are, these are our least favorite parts of this walk. We're showing, we're, show, we're showing you all the bad bits too, yeah. not just the beautiful fog, but also yeah. uh, the tractor trailers uh, screaming past. And that's actually one reason I'm also excited about the Japan ones, because I feel like they will be much more dangerous. Uh, I mean, yes and no. Uh, definitely there are big parts of giant Japanese walks that are just like this. Right. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately. Well, because you have to understand the provenance of some of the walks. You know, Japan... They were there before the, before the roads, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Well, they, yeah. they defined the roads. So, so anyway, I mean, in much, in much the same way, I'm sure yeah. this road here in Spain uh -huh. is built here because of the Camino. That's right. Yeah. That's why it's not like, oh, let's build next to the Camino. It's, oh, yeah. there's a road here already. It's already a very efficient path that humans have figured out. Exactly. So, you know, these things happen as we modernize. And so in Japan, there are there are two main roads that connected Tokyo and Kyoto, Edo, Edo and Kyoto, and uh, you can walk them. But yeah, for the most, I'd say maybe forty percent of them, or maybe more, it's walking on really busy roads. It's not it's not right. a lot of fun. So at dinner, you were talking about spending six thousand for your first Leica. Yes. You were really scared about it, but it turned out to be. A great decision. Talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the most. I've owned a lot of cameras in my life. I've owned, um, you know, my first one was a, a Nikon. I think it was an 8001 S, maybe. Uh -huh. It was a film camera. Uh, it was just sort of the most affordable balance between pro features and um, and and price, especially in the youth market. Uh, and it was film, and right. I shot with that my first year in Japan, actually. Um, and then I've, I've owned a bunch of Nikon lenses. I mean, these, they aren't very expensive. You know, it's a couple hundred bucks at most, especially if you buy used, even less. And um, in, in university, in university, I put together a Hasselblad, uh, which was a little expensive, but again, not crazy. Yeah. I bought um, a Nikon D70. That was my yeah. first like 
that, you know, that, I think that's a DX format, so not yes, full frame. Yes, that was, that was my first S DSLR. Yeah. The very first one. Yeah, yeah. That was a great camera. Yeah. Tidy, the, mobile, great imagery. But but the, 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 the pixels on that were so, they were so juicy. Because right. I think I think it was like six megapixels, maybe. It yeah. wasn't it wasn't a lot of megapixels, but but the the sensor was relatively large. Right. And so it felt there's this butteriness to it that yep. I really I really got into. And then after that, I kind of stepped away for a while. And um, then the GF1 piqued my interest. Uh huh. And that was the camera I took with me to Nepal. And that experience with the tiny GF1. With uh, the 20 millimeter pancake lens, um, to me, it was just the most beautiful travel camera I'd ever used. And so that was exciting. But again, this is like a $700 camera, uh -huh. $800 camera. And all of my life, all of my life, I'd wanted a Leica. So right. when I bought that, 8001S or whatever it was. When I bought that, I really wanted to buy a Leica. But even then, a used Leica 3, for example, would have been th thousands of dollars, and the, the lenses would have been thousands of dollars. Yep. And I couldn't, I couldn't afford it. And then, um, I, you know, I'd been watching Leica. What are they doing with the M9, the M8? Uh, the technology, the, 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 the curve of cost and tech technological or electronic performance never really made sense to me. Right. So Leica was making these insanely expensive cameras that... The specs didn't seem worth it. They didn't have best-of-class technology. Right. They had best-of-class prices. Yeah. So it never, never worked for me. And then the Leica Q was announced. Yep. And that, I think, was the first time in Leica's history of doing digital Same. Yeah, you really get to say, like, it's, it's one of the great things, just to, to, to take it aside for a second, like, one of the great things about not being alone uh -huh. walking these roads is uh, you can kind of ignore the traffic in conversation. Right. If I was alone doing this, I think, um, I think it'd be very, very stressful. I, I, I agree. I can't I imagine yeah. the sort of energy coming at you uh, not being stressful. Or, almost done with this bit. I keep looking at maps.me. We have our, our GPS uh, and GPX uh, data in here and it's uh, guiding us along. But so the queue came out and I thought, okay, maybe this is, maybe this is the, finally the one where price, performance, electronics, future-proofness all kind of comes together. And uh, I think it's proven to be true. Right. It's been three years, and it is—it's still a totally killer camera. It's such a good camera. It's still a great machine. It's a nice cathedral. Wow. By the way, this is uh, Kevin Kelly over here, my heroes. Yeah. We've been doing lots of talks. Yeah. Talking about Japan and. Thank you guys for putting together this walk here in Camino. Yeah, it very is. appreciative. Thanks for coming. We're really, really glad to have you on board. And we're in the fog, the mist, this atmosphere. It's the morning. It's all happening. 
It's like an ancient pilgrimage. And you know what might be up here that's the most important thing of the walk? A stamp. It might be a stamp. <laughs> I know, you got stamp on the mind. Gotta get our stamps. All right, cool. Well, I'll, I'll link people to uh, the website, all that good stuff. Thank you, Craig. I can't wait to come hang out with you in Japan. Yeah. Let's, let's walk up, walk it up, walk up the Japanese mountains. Oh, here, I will we'll end by walking inside. Yeah, cool. Uh, I see the holy stamp. It's one thing I like about these walks. It's sort of a random event generator. Hugh Howie, we just finished doing our talk. Oh. He and I did two talks. This is my Good friend job. Trey. Hey, what's going on? You can check my YouTube for video for those or whatever. Good YouTube. 360, it really is. Sayonara.